0: So when we talk about international law, we're talking about rules, right, that govern a situation where countries, right, independent states, we call them sovereign nations, right, they have sovereignty over how it is that they run their their own countries, they have independence as to how it is they run their own countries and the rules that apply in their own countries. International law is about how these independent states who have their own rules how it is that they interact with each other, right, how they relate with each other, the rules governing how they relate with each other. And international law can be found in various sources. So, for instance, you will hear of customary international law. You'll learn about it in public uh, international law, right? So, in your uh, last year, in your second last year, Of your studies you're going to be doing public international law like the law of nations and in public international law they will teach you these various sources of international law and so customary international law is quite similar in the sense of custom under South African law in that we are referring to certain practices here that have been long entrenched and have been recognized By the particular community, in this instance the international community as a practice that should be binding on all countries, on all sovereign nations. And so an example of customary international law, right? a custom that is recognized as an enforceable rule against all nations in the world, is the customary international law against the use of force. So an example of the, the customary um, law against the use of force, when we're speaking about the against the use of force, we're talking about the fact that no nation, no sovereign nation can go into another country and use force in order to take over that other sovereign nation, right? So no sovereign nation can attack another sovereign nation unjustified so where there is no justifiable reason to use force against that other foreign nation and so of course if we've been following the news and we've been following uh, developments in Europe we will be familiar with the fact that as of about six weeks ago the Russian government invaded Ukraine without any type of justification or legitimate justification for doing so and in doing that, the Russian government violated a international customary law, right? A customary international law that says that no state can, without justified reason, use force against another state. In this case, Russia is using unjustified force against Ukraine and is therefore violating customary international law so custom so international law is not only found in internationally recognized customs that have binding force but they can also be found in what we refer to as treaties and what we refer to as conventions so what is the difference between a treaty and a convention right so when we're talking about treaties we're talking about a scenario where two or more states right they enter into an agreement with each other on how certain rules will regulate certain issues right so this could be a bilateral treaty where south africa and mozambique enter into a treaty uh in respect of let's say um human trafficking or it can be a multilateral treaty in which mozambique and south africa and Romania enter into a treaty around human trafficking. So an example, for instance, would be that South Africa is considered one of the human trafficking um, uh, biggest hotspots in the world. And so Romania is also known as being a big, big hotspot in the world. And let's assume, let's just assume for our purposes that people are coming through, these sex sex traffickers are bringing them through Mozambique. So in this instance, we have an issue in which Mozambique, South Africa and Romania want to tackle the issue of human trafficking that is festering in these three countries. And so they enter into a multilateral treaty, which says this is how we're going to regulate the issue of human trafficking between the three of us as countries. This is how we are going to cooperate. These are the rules of the game as to how it is we all three are going to to interact with each other and relate to each other when it comes to addressing the issue of human trafficking. So in that scenario, we have a multilateral treaty on human trafficking entered into by Three states, three states relating to how they will regulate the issue of human trafficking in their countries and in relation to each other. Right? Assuming it was only between South Africa and Mozambique, it would be a bilateral treaty on human trafficking in how it is that South Africa and Mozambique will regulate and cooperate with each other when it comes to dealing with issues around human trafficking across the border between Mozambique and South Africa. So now How is it that conventions differ to treaties? So when we speak about conventions, like the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, the UNCRC, you will see that we conventions, unlike treaties, will have a host of countries signing on to them, a number of countries signing on to them. And these countries are signing on to a document that will set out certain rules. And these rules are, to address an issue which countries recognize has um, is needed in order to deal with a big world issue right big world problems so for instance um, there can be an issue around drug, drug trafficking and there's drug trafficking happening across nations in the world and there's these huge international syndicates and so the United Nations, for instance, decides that they are going to draft a convention that deals with drugs and drugs drug trafficking, and all these different countries, including South Africa, signs onto this convention as state parties to the convention. And in signing onto the convention, South Africa is accepting that they will be bound by the provisions of that uh, convention. And so if the provisions of that convention says that in the event that someone is arrested for um, drug trafficking in South Africa and that person comes from uh let's say South America comes from uh, Brazil, then South Africa perhaps is obliged to deport that person back to Brazil. So that will just be an example of, 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 of conventions, right, where there's this big world issue and the whole world recognizes it. We need to protect children, so we create the UNCRC, we create the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, and a whole host of countries of independent sovereign states sign on to these conventions and accept the responsibilities and obligations under these conventions, which which sets out certain rules that will govern the issue in this case of drug trafficking. So now, something that is important to remember is Section 39 of our Constitution, because if you recall Section 39, we find it in Chapter 2 of our Constitution, which is the Bill of Rights, and Chapter 39 sets out certain Principles that courts are required to follow, certain rules that a court must adopt when uh, interpreting rights in the Bill of Rights, or may in certain instances adopt when interpreting rights in the Bill of Rights. And what Section Thirty Nine One says is that when a court, right, when a South African court is faced with interpreting a right in the Bill of Rights, <laughs> my apologies for that interruption. We were um, considering Section Thirty Nine One, and we were saying that. Section 39 of the Constitution places an obligation on the court when interpreting rights in the Bill of Rights, all those rights found in Chapter 2, your fundamental rights, to consider international law. So the court don't have to follow international law unless it's binding on us, right? But the court must consider international law in the course of reaching its judgment when trying to make sense of the rights in the Bill of Rights. So for instance, if the court is confronted with a question around whether the right to equality includes the the right of women to receive three months uh, paid maternity leave from their employer. In that particular instance, the court, when trying to make sense of whether the right to equality comes into play in this particular issue and is being violated by not giving women paid maternity leave, the court would have to consider the convention on the elimination of discrimination against women right so we have CEDAW the convention on the elimination of discrimination against women and now a court was facing a case around paid maternity leave Needs to find out if section nine of the Constitution, Section 9 3, and a woman's right not to be unfairly discriminated against is being violated. And in that instance, the court must then look at CEDAW The court, unless South Africa is a party to it, the court is not bound to follow CDO, but the court must at least consider CEDO in determining whether or not Section 93 includes a right to paid maternity benefits, right? Unless and that a failure to do so amounts to unfair discrimination. Now, a very important case to mention in the context of international law is the case of President al Bashir. Right, so President al Bashir of Sudan stands accused of committing a a number of crimes against these people, particularly in the Darfur area, crimes of genocide, right? So these are crimes in which people are killed in mass as a result of their particular, um, ethnicity, ethnicity or, or race, right? So crimes of genocide. And so. What happened in this particular court case that we have around Bashir is that South Africa signed on to what we refer to as the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. So the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court, which is abbreviated as the Rome Statute, right? Was a statute that was that was set up, right? An international convention that was set up in order to establish the international criminal court. Because the international community recognized that there was a serious world issue to be dealt with and that there were certain serious crimes against humanity like war crimes and the crime of genocide that should be prosecuted at an international national level. And so under the Rome Statute, countries who signed onto the Statute was giving the International Criminal Court jurisdiction to sit and pronounce on certain violations and crimes that happen within sovereign states, within countries, where those crimes amount to crimes that are the most serious against humanity, like genocide and like war crimes. So South Africa was, to our credit, the very first country that signed on to the Rome Convention. And as a result of signing on to the Convention, South Africa is bound, has an obligation under the Convention to hand over someone to the International Criminal Court where that person has been indicted and has been accused of committing uh, crimes against humanity or, or genocide or war crimes, right? So the International Criminal Court, the ICC, in this instance, had issued two warrants for the arrest of President al Bashir. So the President al Bashir was indicted by the court, right? Two warrants were issued against him. And so under the Convention, South Africa was obliged to arrest President al Bashir and to hand him over to the ICC, And of course, for those of us who had followed the story, we would know that South Africa ultimately did not end up arresting Al Bashir. And the matter went to the North Gauteng High Court, and the North Gauteng High Court ruled that South Africa, as party to the convention, was obliged to hand over President Al Bashir. And this judgment was later confirmed by the Supreme Court of Appeal. But of course, by then, President Al Bashir was long gone from South Africa.